0: Hi, I'm Gail. Hello, I'm Catherine, and welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined, our weekly podcast. Our signature is sharing stories of vital women, 70 to 100 plus, who shatter the myth that women become irrelevant as we age. We appreciate your support. Join the Aging Reimagined circle at womenover70.com and promote your book and books by women and invite us to speak to your organization.
1: And today we are so happy to have in the in the studio with us, Vicki Thomas. Vicki, welcome.
2: Thank you, Gail and Catherine. And man, I applaud you guys for recognizing women over 70. <laughs> and I am really happy right. to be one of those that you are interviewing today.
1: <laughs> oh, well, we're very happy to have you. Thank you. So Vicki Thomas, 76, grew up in rural Wisconsin on a dairy farm. She attended a one-room schoolhouse for eight years until high school when her life changed. Entrance into college prep put her on a path that included the University of Wisconsin and speech pathology. Realizing that speech pathology was not for her, she instead got into business and marketing. Fast forward to 2013 when she won a $100,000 Purpose Prize from Encore.org. Nearing retirement, she pursued her purpose, using her expertise to help two veteran nonprofits get on the map by placing national and local media stories about veterans needing housing solutions. Vicki always pursued her passion and purpose in life. She is now helping individuals develop their passion to help them develop their purpose. Today, many individuals search for purpose. Vicki and colleague Joyce Cohn are helping others find it by coordinating conferences, workshops, on-site corporate sessions, and one-to-one meetings. So Vicki, again, welcome to Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. It appears that producing and writing and getting stories out is your natural gift. So would you tell us what drew you to this pursuit and
2: how it's shown up throughout your career? Um, you know, it's interesting as, as I went back and reflected in terms of what causes you to follow uh, a, a sense of purpose. And growing up in the 60s, I, the flower children, we wanted to save the world and make a difference. And um, I, when I went to college um, after I uh, couldn't handle um, speech pathology and I went to see my college advisor, Um, I told him I had to get into something that was mm, less heart-tugging right now um, so that I could earn a living. And he suggested that I get into journalism, speech, drama. It was kind of a cross-departmental degree that university was was launching at the time. Mm. And I remember something that has always, you know, you talk about when you take pledges, you know, we used to, in the one-room school, every morning we would start the day by doing the Pledge of Allegiance. I belong to 4-H, and Catherine, I would assume if you grew up on a farm and went to a, a one-room school as I did, you might have belonged I to 4-H H as did. well. I certainly did, yes. And that pledge, <laughs> do, do remember mm-hmm. the pledge that we said? We said, I pledge my head uh, to clearer thinking my heart to greater loyalty, yes. my hands to larger service, no. my health to better living for my club, my community, and my country. So we sent those pledges. And somehow, as you recall them, they have a tremendous influence as you age and as you advanced your life into career. And so in my marketing career, Um, I started out, um, my first job, big job, was the head of marketing and advertising at a very young age, 27, uh, in a pretty much all-male financial institution, Credit Union National Association, based in Madison, Wisconsin. And I was on the executive team, and I was the only female. And I, being in charge of marketing and advertising, the trade association had 50 state credit union leagues and so I was constantly on the road making speeches about um, we created the first national advertising program that credit unions ever mm-hmm. had. and they had to contribute credit unions contribute $75 per million dollars of assets to the budget for our campaign. Suddenly, I had the largest budget to work with. Suddenly, everyone wanted to, what used to be the Governmental Affairs Committee that everybody wanted to be on, now they wanted to be on the National Advertising Program uh, Committee. And what that did is I would have to write fundraising letters to the nation's credit unions, encouraging them to donate their $75 million of assets. I had to write ad Copy and ad campaign, annual reports, press releases. Um, so my writing started in earnest in that organ in that trade organization. And as we started out talking, we were talking about being being uh, trailblazers, women trailblazers in the seventies, and. I didn't realize I was a trailblazer until somebody called it to my attention probably about five or six years ago. (laughs) And we were. Um, And to travel with the guys, uh, to be out to dinner uh, as a female in short skirts and being looked at in sort of a lusty way, I guess my attitude at that time was, wow, I feel really great to be not only proud of the position that I held but the fact that people guys respected me and and not only that kind of thought "Mm, she's cute and adorable so um, my career helped me um, grow I was with credit unions for 10 years we I had I reported to the president of the trade association great guy and he got fired which happens in trade association work, and we got a new president. The new president, I was in a position in marketing where I suddenly became inherited, not chosen. And in marketing, you must always be chosen and never inherited. Mm -hmm. I stayed too long. I stayed two years too long. I should have left. But credit unions were sponsors of ABC's coverage Of the Winter Olympic Games. My boss at the time was from Panama. He says, There's no way I'm going to the Winter Olympic Games. You go. (laughs) So I had a chance to go to Innsbruck, Austria in 1976, Uh, flew first class with ABC, uh, went to this charming little Innsbruck, Austrian alpine village where we were wined and dined as sponsors. And I had an opportunity to meet. The top brass at ABC in turtlenecks and and um and um, moon boots and just treated very royally as a sponsor. Fast forward to 1980, and once again we were sponsors of the Winter Olympic Games from Lake Placid, New York. And I kind of closed the bar with one of, with the president of ABC, and he said to me, "You're different." Than you were in 76 well how am i different i don't know you seem to have lost some enthusiasm and i told him i was unhappy um, with my current boss and that i was inherited in my capacity as marketing and he said well what would you like to do i said well i'd like to work for abc so a few months passed, and i had the biggest run-in with my new CEO at CUNA, who was from Texas. <laughs> and um, I did the dramatic, I quit. And he said, are you going to put it in writing? Yeah, I'm putting in writing. And that was with the IBM Selectric. I sat down at his secretary's desk. I wrote, I quit. And my advertising agency at the time was J. Walter mm-hmm. Thompson in New York. Word spread very quickly that I dramatically turned in the towel. So I went to see my college professor or advisor, who was then governor of the state of Wisconsin. And I told him that I was unhappy and I, I needed to go back to school. And he said, what would you like to do? I said, well, I want to help people. And he says, Jesus, you guys from the 60s never changed. He said, how about law school? I know I, I can probably write a great letter to get you into law school. So I thought, all right, I'll go to law school. And then the president of ABC called me that night and he said, so word on the street is you turned in the towel. Yes, I did. What are you going to do? Well, I'm thinking of going to law school. Well, I don't think you want to do that. I think you want to come to work for us. So I started with ABC in Chicago. They wanted to start me because I came from a gentle nonprofit world uh, where I was a big fish in a small pond, and that I had to go through the school of hard knocks, going into corporate ABC. And believe me, it was totally different, going from being the wooed and pursued client to now being the person on staff. Um, So shortly thereafter, they transferred me to New York. And my job in New York was to be able to talk about how much better ABC was than its competitors, and that was in the day when um, we had a great affiliate body and the networks cared about their affiliates. We had 7 O&O's, owned and operated stations. We were responsible for announcing the new season, uh, show replacements, and we lived by Nielsen numbers.
1: So, Vicki, how long
2: were you with ABC? I was with ABC for seven years. Okay, And then I became a capsized employee. I went to the 1984 Olympic Games in Los Angeles. And um, now I'm on staff. Now I'm no longer being wooed or pursued or whatever. Now it's Thomas, get over here. We need help here. Thomas, we need you here. And my boss at the time said, sit with me. And he told me that ABC as we knew it would no longer exist because Cap Cities had acquired the company. And he told me the budget that we once had for wonderful annual reports and uh, announcements, glossy pictures and stories about uh, new upcoming shows would be now fit in a number 10 envelope and be Mm -hmm. black and white. And so from there, I left ABC. And started my own company.
1: Mm-hmm. And when was this now?
2: This would have been in 1980, 88, 88 89. And um, so I had both a broadcast and a financial background. And I packaged them both. And one of the things that I did do is um, I was in Sun Lakes, Arizona. And I saw these amazing, beautiful ladies uh, performing at an event at uh, Sun Lakes, Arizona. And I thought, wow, what energy they have can be packaged enough to heat the city of Chicago during the month of January. Mm-hmm. So, and they were called the Dancing Grammys.
1: <laughs>
2: so I produced. The Dancing Grannies exercise video. How old were these women? Oh, they ranged in fifty-five to seventy-five. Uh-huh. And the head granny was a size sixteen, gl- glamorous. She went down to a size four, tall, slinky, blonde, very, very great instructor. And what I and, and I produced that series the same year that Rita Marino and Angela Lansbury who had great marquee value, and you wonder who the hell are the dancing grannies. But the one thing that I did do at the beginning of the video, I had each granny tell their story about how exercise helped them. And so the lead granny, of course, went from a size 16 to a size four. Another granny lost her son and went into a deep depression and uh, until she got into an exercise program another granny had severe arthritis and joint problem another granny and they all toured, told a little vignette at the beginning of the video so that the person in peoria or the person in uh Wausau, wisconsin could go wow i can relate to that granny and so i when i was in chicago we were with abc we were in the same office as Phil Donahue. Then Phil Donahue moved to New York as I moved to, or I was relocated here by ABC. And um, I sent an pe- a exercise video sample to Phil saying, I think these ladies would be great guests on your show. So two days before Thanksgiving, I get a call from Phil Donahue saying, we'd like to have four of the grannies on our show. And they did an aerobic routine that they do. Um, Don't mess around with Bill. Boom, 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 boom. Don't. Anyway, um, I'm sitting in the audience. And then the head granny says, Phil, you know, we have an exercise video. And Phil says, oh, I bet you do, Beverly. And he holds up the video. And he said, how do they get this video? And Beverly says, oh, send it to... Dance in Granny's Westport, Connecticut. My office was right down the hill from the Westport post office. And that's when you could sell a video for $29.95 plus $3 for shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. That show was syndicated. Mm-hmm. And first the mail came in a tray. And then as it syndicated across the country, it came in a bag. And then it came in several bags, and I realized I had a real winning hit. Okay. And so I then put them on the road and health and fitness um, expos, and uh, got them in, in uh, got them on Inside Edition, and the rest is is history. I laughed all the way to the bank on that um, on that production.
1: Uh huh. So let, let's talk about what you're doing now. You're you're uh, very interested in purpose.
2: Yes, I am. People's Future
1: Purpose. And so tell us a little bit about that and what it means to you and what it means to the people
2: you work with. Um, My Future Purpose is a membership organization. Uh, We help individuals harness the power of purpose. Um, And purpose, how I got started on this is who would have thought that at 70, Vibe I was at the time that I'd start another company. But I didn't want to do it alone. I'm I'm doing it just as you are probably Gail with Catherine, with a colleague that I've worked with that I trust and we're very good friends and we're totally different. She's anal and I'm 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 not. And so I called her and I said, did you notice lately how much purpose is being used in articles and segments on on TV and in books. And I said to her, I think there's a business here. And so we started My Future Purpose and what purpose does is it gives us something to look forward as we start each day, as I said earlier when we began, with a long to-do set. Um, it gives us purpose gives us a sense of identity. And we really are here for a short period of time. And during that time, we're here to do some things that are unimportant and some things of great importance. The things that are important gives our life meaning and provides us with a great sense of fulfillment. And... um, Living your purpose and doing what fulfills you makes your days go by so fast that some days you just forget to take a break or have lunch. That's when you know you have engaged in what is bringing you a sense of joy and satisfaction. So um, what we do is um, (laughs) we started out, we were going to be doing conferences. And our first conference was going to be uh, May 19th. Um, the year of COVID, half 2020. Right. And um, so we had it at, we were going to do it at the UConn campus in Stanford. Everything was all set. We had three keynote speakers and we had four panel discussions. So if you want to find your purpose, you can volunteer, you can become an advocate, you can work for a company whose purpose aligns with yours, or good can come from loss. Those were our four panels. Mm-hmm. Well, we know what happened. COVID, along comes COVID. So we figured, oh, this can't last for long. Let's move the conference to October. <laughs> Little did I know we would be pivoting, in, as many companies did, much larger than us. And um, so what we decided to do is we decided to take our panelists uh, to have them become guest speakers every Wednesday at four o'clock to talk about how they found their sense of purpose. And it grew, it just grew from there. And pretty soon we're doing this weekly uh, free conference um, series. And now we do this bi-weekly because it's very labor intensive, as you guys know, putting these things, these programs together and finding good speakers. Mm-hmm. So now we do it biweekly, and now we are returning to on-site conferences. We will be holding our first retreat in September oh, on our purpose. Um, we are we are now, we just produced an audio series, four-part audio series, that's called I Quit, Now What? Mm-hmm. and. 2021 of course was the the story that was told repeatedly was about the great resignation so we have four four people on audio who share a whole different perspective on what do you do after you quit your job where can you go what should you look for so we have a a, a speaker who is uh, runs the executive MBA program we have a, one cute adorable young lady who actually quit her job and didn't have another job to go to. We have uh, Beverly Kaye, who's an international uh, lady who's run an organization called Career Systems. And we have Jason Laritzen, who uh, is a management and human resource consultant. So we've we've expanded. We've decided that there are now six um Elements of purpose. And so we've created workshops that focus on those six elements of purpose. If your desire is to search for your purpose in something more meaningful to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Wow. Can you tell us good. what
0: those six elements are?
2: Yes. The first, it's amazing. It starts with the four that we originally, <laughs> volunteering. You can volunteer for an organization. Who knows, it may turn into a full-time job or give you an idea about starting your own nonprofit. You can become an advocate. Um, do you believe in climate change? Do you believe in voting rights? Do you, what is something that you want to advocate for? And how far do you want to take that advocacy? Do you want to testify? Do you want to change laws? Do you want to make a difference? You can have um, good from loss. Uh, take, for example, the number of organizations that came after um, um, 9-11. Um, for example, an organization called Heart 9-11 goes all over to, um, to um, uh, help rebuild communities that have been destroyed. And these were firefighters and policemen who were on the pile on 9-11. Uh, or Sandy Hook, all the good that came from that. Or you can work for a company whose purpose aligns with yours. How do you find that company? What company has a purpose? You can have a hobby or a special interest. Um, and what's the sixth one? Um, volunteering. I can't remember right now what our sixth one is, but that is um, what our six elements of purpose are. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Very nice. Very nice. So,
1: so Vicki, uh, you know, you're 76 now, and all do you do you think about aging at all? What is your what are your thoughts about? It?
2: Well, I do think about aging, and you know, certainly my journey um, has been met with. Uh, I'm a two-time cancer patient one breast cancer and one cancer that was extremely rare. In fact, I was told that I had my cancer had a three to five year survival rate. And um, um, I'm in year four of that three to five years. Um, I think aging is an extraordinary process where you become the person you always should have been. Mm-hmm. That's something that I wish I had said, but David Bowie, David Bowie said it. <laughs> um, and in my aging, it's like I don't feel different. I, oh, sure, the knees are... And the knees are creaky, and the joint, you know, when I stand up, I have to put my hand on the kind of the roof of my car as I stretch. You know, I don't want to look like it was difficult getting out of the car. I just put my hand on the roof, kind of look around like I'm looking for somebody. <laughs> but what I'm really doing is stretching my stiff joints out. Um, and I am not done yet. And there's much more to give and that I want to give. And at a point in time where I want to continue to help individuals learn from the experiences that I have had and that my colleague Joyce Cohen have had as they search for their purpose. And I have no desire to sail off into a sunset um, or walk hand in hand with my husband on a beach, which we do do. Um, My thing is carry me out on a flip (laughs) chart because... I'm going to go to the very end here.
1: So, are you currently living in New York?
2: No, I live in Connecticut. Oh, Connecticut. Um, and uh, which was when ABC relocated us. It was interesting. I was told, like, where I should live uh, by my, that I should. We were my husband and I were sailors, and of course we thought, well, wow, what a great place to live in Long Island. And they said, you want to get caught in a moving parking lot? And mm-hmm. I thought, okay. Um, You know, and then it became when you move from Wisconsin to Fairfield County, I mean, are you going to live in like a doghouse or a what? Because that's about all we could afford coming from that area. But thankfully, I had a corporate um, move and a corporate relocation where ABC paid a lot of my expenses and um, enabled us to be able to live in Fairfield County. Mm -hmm. So I, um, I understand that you have a 100-year-old mother. Yes, I do. She turned 100 on February 4th. She is a centenarian. Um, she is um, a most pleasant person. Oh. Um, um, I'm very blessed with that. But there is part of caregiving. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> Learning social media. This has been a real challenge. So I took Joyce and I took this program from LinkedIn about how to go viral on LinkedIn, Mm -hmm. and it said you should be authentic, you should post frequently, you should not always be selling. So I figured, all right, I'm going to rise to that occasion. I'm going to post every week. So my first post was I put a picture of my mom, and then I said, "Am I a terrible person for turning caregiving love into caregiving hate?" Oh my God, did (laughs) did I stir up a hornet's nest? So there was one of two ways people responded. How dare you? You should be grateful you still have your mother with you. I lost my mother and I got all the stories of individuals who lost their mothers and missed them dearly. Then I got the other side. Thank goodness somebody is saying what we have felt oftentimes as caregivers. Mm -hmm. So she lives with us at home. Um, And her activities of daily living are increasing in terms of my duties. Uh, We do have home health care. And um, so I um, do I consider myself blessed? I guess since I'm an only child, this is my only mom. But I also feel it's reached the point of a burden. Mm -hmm. And that is why I do not want to live. 100. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, you have a very interesting life, Vicki, and we so appreciate your sharing it with us. Thank you for being on Women Over 70. Oh,
2: thank you both, uh, Gail and Catherine, for what you're doing, because used to be women over 40 and this is what the new 50 looks like and i love the fact that you can be vibrant and vital and and on the go and starting new things at age 70 and congratulations to you both for recognizing women over 70. Thank you.
0: Thank you Vicky. <laughs> and listeners, subscribe to our podcast and leave a review. Visit womenover70.com to access all of our episodes and easily search by name or category. You can join us the first Tuesday of each month to enjoy programming beyond the podcast hosted by Aging Reimagined Circle. Membership information is on our website, www.womenover70.com. And we'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined.